Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast, episode 53, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. Hey. Hi. Hi. And I have my dapper assistant here. Dapper? Tony? <laughs> Tony's here also as co-host. Yes. Um, so looking, you're quite, looking quite spiffy today. Yeah, I was going to say this Normally is probably it's the casual f- fry. <laughs> this is the first time you've probably seen me in my work uniform. Yeah. And the, definitely the first time everyone's heard me in my work uniform <laughs> <laughs> so normally it's very casual what's friday what's that jumper made out of you got is it merino, merino? Oh, it merino i thought wool. it might be merino of course it is thought it thought it might be merino thought it might merino <laughs> yeah i could i could tell from here actually could you uh yeah yeah just it just looks high quality and of course because i'm an ag it has to be a checkered shirt yeah yeah um i quite like a checkered shirt i didn't ask yeah i've seen <laughs> thanks <laughs> In, 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 in business, there's there's quite a few checkered shirts doing the rounds. It yep. seems, yeah. Because sort of stripy stuff looks too pajamary. Mm. I have this other shirt, um, or it's a jersey with a, you, you might have seen it. There's a jersey with a shirt, shirt underneath it. It's a jersey? It's a jersey with a shirt underneath it. It's so like someone in a gray, Yeah, it's a grey jersey, like sweater, with the collar of a shirt sewn in. So it looks like I'm wearing a shirt with a jersey. Um, but the collar of it is checkered as well. And when I... Where like, do you find this stuff? I don't know. My wife did. <laughs> I, I don't dress myself. <laughs> but no, um, the funny thing with it is if I wear that at like a course or a conference or something that where I'm representing work, yes, um, people say, oh, where, you know, where do you work? And I say the name of it and then they say, what do they do? And... I say, oh, it's an agriculture, and I always see them glance at the checkered shirt. I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, that makes sense. Are they ever like, oh, warm in here? Get that, whip that off. They're <laughs> like, oh no, I'm fine. No, 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 no. Get that off. I get the opposite, where um, where on a cold day, people might be like, how are you cold? Because they think I'm wearing like a flannel <laughs> to shirt, a couple with of a layers. Over yeah, it. yeah. Like, I'm like, well, I'm turned it inside. It's out. like it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm living a lie today. <laughs> but yeah. Um, hadn't heard of that before. I like the idea of that. I was actually last night went for dinner. I was wearing a uh, what you have a sweater with a checkered shirt popping up through the top. Oh yeah, would have been quite handy to have it all sewn in together. <laughs> what did you eat for dinner? Uh, I had um, steak, a big juicy steak, no. a big juicy vegetarian steak. So uh, pea is grass fed halloumi steak. and jalapeno fritters Ooh. for a start it's grass-fed steak vegetarian it is right no because animals died and oh. um it was um beetroot gnocchi for the main what day was this last night <laughs> what day was this last N- night night before last i had gnocchi beetroot gnocchi no mushroom like a creamy mushroom mm. Mm. it was good as was mine good important paranormal stuff um, also, in other news, um, I became a man today. You got your first pube? Nope. Better. Had your first wet dream? Uh, my wife and I are welcoming a new addition to the family. Yes. We bought a lawnmower. We bought our first lawnmower. Finally. Right? Finally. And the leaf blower. Oh, wow. It's wow. like twins. I don't really understand leaf blowers. <laughs> I don't see why you have one. It's going to just move the problem around somewhere, doesn't it? So here's the thing. Um, I've been borrowing dad's lawnmower since I moved um, into my new house. And I've had to mow just about every week because we have big trees and they drop leaves all over the lawn. You're very shrubbery and bushery in your yeah. garden. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. But 
I've been mowing every week and noticing I kind of probably don't need to mow every week. I could just mow one week and leaf blow the next. Because I did a little test on a patch of lawn where I raked the leaves and it looked totally fine. I'm just mowing because it looks messy because it's got leaves all over it. So, oh, okay. So it's just like a clean up. It's a sweep up. But yeah. in this case, if you just blow blow it around, where, do you, where are you blowing it to though? You blow it into a pile and then you'd switch the blower to a suck and it sucks it up into a bag. Did not know did that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was like, should have been done, but. Like, what, like talking about this on a paranormal podcast? I remember podcast? when like, pa, <laughs> my, 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 my old man, Pa. Mm-hmm. Parsi, Parsi, would he would like he'd like to go on the, get on the weekend and cut things down. Yeah, and then what, what do you mean? Like cut things down. What do you mean cut things like down? Plants and trees. You mean trim stuff. them? Cut no, like cut them down, like with an axe. Yeah, and chainsaw and stuff like that. Really? And then it would all Where get did... piled on the lawn, and then he'd like drive the lawnmower over it. Like it, would, it wouldn't. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't. No, be... see, he's not cutting things down. He's he's hedge trimming. No, because like you'd be trying to cut. There'd be like big woody bits of branch that because mm. like, it was my job to mow the lawns and he'd be like there you go i can't see you and mowing been, lawns i used to mow lawns every or every every second every, week and then every in every other week i would be dealing with leaf the, blowing no no <laughs> <laughs> i'll be driving over these piles of branches right. and, like you would have to like lift the lawnmower off the ground to get it up there because it was oh, yeah. quite a high pile and then <laughs> like the whole thing is spinning around You're trying just to using cut it, it like a blender yeah it is it's like yeah it's like like a stick blender <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. And like, and it's not cutting through, then it cuts out because there's too much stuff caught up. It's just hand up in there to get it around. Like, I was thinking, Jeez, probably, he probably sh- shouldn't be dealing with no, that with a lawnmower. he definitely shouldn't be. At the age of... Like 13, 14. <laughs> it just seems excessive. So like, I don't know, he just cut it down, but there you go. Like, but there's like, like, like thick bits of wood. But that just wood. instantly fill the catcher? Um... It wouldn't really cut through the. It wouldn't really cut cut through it very well. So, um, <laughs> but there was just a solution to it: just stick blendering it with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> the vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I'm thinking a leaf blower for some reason. With a lawnmower. So you're thinking leaf blower. So you say vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. <laughs> I guess that's logical. I'd rather do the lawn mowing than the vacuum cleaning though. Really? Well, not these days because I have a stick vacuum, <laughs> which is like your leaf blower. Surely. Which you just had to use before we started for some reason. Well, always do it to clean up the cat litter. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd probably a good day lawn mowing. Absolutely, because I was going to go down the electric route and I, have a plug in. I inherited an electric vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking about lawn mowers. What? An electric lawn mower. I was going. Oh get. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> But then I don't, I didn't, because I'd have to reach too far at our house, out onto the road oh. by the nature strip. And <laughs> I sold it when I inherited it. Really? $220. Unbelievable. Yeah. I just bought a brand new one for less than that. Yeah, you want one of those, can't you? <laughs> it didn't hold its charge. I ripped someone off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but they didn't come back about it, because if you hadn't had a small strip of land, mm. then it wasn't a problem. Is that rain? Yeah, it's raining really heavily. Let's just have a moment's rain. Unbelievable. If you like a sort of white noise when you go to sleep sort of mm. thing, like I do, then maybe just let's just let's should play we both just take again. it down yeah. a notch. There we go. So if you want to go to sleep, this is the episode. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> 
Do you know extra words to that? No. You sound like you're almost saying words. Hey, they mumble like this. Have you heard of mumble rap? No. Oh, this is good. So, mumble rap is, <laughs> is where... Is it paranormal? Because we haven't got abnormal. to that yet. It's abnormal. Okay, So, enough. mumble rap is where you would go like... It's just mumbling. mumbling to a tune. Do you ever say anything? No, you mumble. What's the point? Because it's sort of like there's music going, and then you are mumbling instead of using words. <laughs> Did you invent this? this seems no, really. Shit. No, it's like that's, that's really. So you, oh, so you're saying that's what people do when they don't know the words. No, to no, it's rap music. when they're listening to it. It's music. No, it isn't. It is. It's not rap. mumble rap artists. Yes, there are. <laughs> oh, there it's becoming be. a thing. <laughs> there shouldn't be. Um. Yeah. So. It's, it's, I mean, obviously it's easy to rhyme. Oh, I've got an internet connection. Can I just ask, where do you find out about mumble rapping? What circles do you have to be in? I, I play in some interesting circles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm sort of big on that. Big on mumble rap. Are you looking it up? Yeah. See, uh, but you can't find any? So you're trying to wrap up this bit? Uh, here we go, <laughs> top ten songs of mumble rap. What do you mean? Like, do you... I'm still confused. Do you find a good song you like, but you mumble rap along to it? Or is there, like, artists that have their own original mumble raps? Yeah, here we go. Sounds like it could be words. Oh, that is words. There was words. He said something about tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. Okay, that's enough. I'm already feeling like we need to apologize. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you just had to throw words in and then you mumble along. (laughs) Um, Should we move swiftly into your story? Let's get paranormal. Get back on track here. So apparently... uh, yeah, just sort of you mumble along, you throw a few <laughs> words in, and then... I'm trying to move yeah. swiftly along. Um, you throw the odd word in, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, then then get down tonight. See? <laughs> Terrible. So did you bring a story? This is your turn, right? Um, yeah. You're, you're too busy reading about mumble I rapping am. right So now. here we go. So mumble rap. Rappers that make oh, music no. with lyrics very difficult to understand are rappers that make a song with very basic lyrics and add ad-libs like to make it sound dope. Oh, don't. So an example of mumble rap. Bitch, I'm gonna hella rich fucking on you, bitch. Make her suck my Nutted on my lip. I'm bleeping this. That's, that's, that's I'm bleeping rap. this. Another one, mumble rap. When rappers mumble incoherent, absolute garbage for an entire album track, destroying rap as a genre and disgracing <laughs> black people as a whole. <laughs> I quite like that definition. It's more like it. <clears throat> so, yeah, mumble rap. Very good. So, all right, let's move along. Here's I'm a better done. example of mumble oh, rap. Oh, no. We, I'm trying goes, to... I'm trying 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 to...
Um, the next you time you do are it, putting out a mumble rap album. I can tell that look in your eye. You now want to put out mumble rap albums. The next time you mumble rap, I'm cutting it out. Actually, I just closed the window <laughs> the tab. The window? <laughs> what, 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 what internet browser am I using? It can still be a window. Um, I said, when did you say tab? <laughs> so, so unimportant. <laughs> like mumble rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along. Um, this next segment of the show that definitely doesn't deal with mumble rap is uh, where one of us will bring a paranormal story and educate the other on a paranormal It can paranormal be quite mumbly, though, and rambly. Rambly more. And rambly. educate the other on something that's going that's gone on. We could do ramble rap, I think. We just talk about nonsense. This week it's Tony's week to bring a story, so he's now going to move swiftly onto his story. So the the tale behind this one is I had heard this story. Uh, it was quite a uh, quite a quite a bit of New, Ze- mumble rapping. New Zealand New Zealandy <laughs> <laughs> New Zealandy UFO folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kaikoura I, lights close to Kaikoura. Mm-hmm. And I had thought about doing it um, the week that I did the Black Triangle one. Um, yes. But opted, important? Opted, Is that important to the story? Uh, and then, like, the next week, the story popped up on our stuff, which is a New Zealand news site. <laughs> and, Who um, I hear is being rebranded. Really? That's a tidbit for you. Really? It should be. It's a pretty, pretty poor name. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then a uh, friend of the show. Uh, me? Yeah. Am yeah. I a friend of the show? Would you class me as a friend? No. You, 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 this I'm, is... I'm like best friends with the show. No, you you are part of the show. I'm so... You're I'm th- almost family with the show. Yeah, well, you, you're, you're, yeah, exactly. You're family of the show. You're not a friend. I'm friendly, though. No. You can't be both family and friend. Um, you're family. Estranged family? Friend of the show, uh, Juliana... M. Like me, friend of the show. No, your family. <laughs> your Fano. Estranged family of the show. Juliana M. Yeah. Friend of the show and mumble rap enthusiast <laughs> sent us this in. Now, she listens to every episode. I think she's up to date. Close to up to date. Yeah, well, so she should be. <laughs> she sounds smart. Friend of the show. So we had friend of the show, Juliana yeah. M. Okay, yeah. Fano, you. Now you've got to explain what Fano is for nope, everyone who doesn't. not going to. Look it up. It's the Maori word for family. Carry on. Like Ohana in Hawaiian. Didn't know that. I knew it from Lilo and Stitch. Like, oh, I thought you might be watching <laughs> Moana, but no. You've, uh... No, no. Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. Okay. So, friend of the show. Me? No. <laughs> Been through this. You are Fano. Uh, Juliana M. Uh, had, had also seen this story. Flagged mm. it to us. You mean uh, sent it on Twitter? Fl- I don't know how social media works. Flagged <laughs> so you it. do admit it's not you. <laughs> Taking the credit. <laughs> and um, yeah, we got a tweet. Yeah, so because one person had said they liked this, the idea of the story, mm-hmm. uh, that gave me the uh, the confidence to go for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anyone before say they think that my st- a story idea is a good idea. So I'm like, well, there we go. Okay. 100% for this one. You haven't heard that because you don't operate our social media, but go on. I'm, I'm big on the social media. <laughs> right. We've had other people send stuff in. Yeah, I once read a tweet. <laughs> Just go. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, we're talking about um, UFOs because... <laughs> As well, usual. Yeah, well, the last story wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> You're like, yep. This is my first UFO uh, tale for quite a while. Okay. Well. Says you. It's like a month. <laughs> <clears throat> and we're going we're gonna to kick this off with called uh, a tale called The Moorland Saucer Sutton. Can you not do accents? I, every time you say a word wrong, I have to then jump in and explain what the hell you said. The Moorland Saucer Sutton. Sighting. Sighting. <laughs> Go. Eileen. Do you? Moorland. <laughs> went out to milk the cows one morning in the South Island town of Blenheim. Been there? In 1959. What's your Blenheim experience? Did we say this is a New Zealand one yet? Um, I can't remember because there's a whole bunch that we said that I'm cutting out. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is a New Zealand tale. This is a New Zealand tale. From so, the top of the South Island of New Zealand. Yeah. Yep. Go. <laughs> uh, she returned home about 80 minutes later with an extraordinary story. She claimed a craft descended from the sky and hovered above her. Her statement was full of astonishing details. How's that? Mm-hmm. How's that to start things off? Astonishing. You are curious. I can tell. You're bloody curious. <laughs> Go. Did you read the story when it was in stuff? No, it was too long. I don't have the attention span. I figured uh, Tony will cut this up and read it to me. <laughs> That's what he did. Um, local Air Force officials took her claim seriously. They assigned an investigator who interviewed Morland and found her to be credible. And they found others in Blenheim who had seen similar lights. Wine country. One country. Wine country. One country. Wine Juan country. If you out there, and I'm sure if you out there, have enjoyed a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, Blenheim is in a place called Marlborough, and Marlborough makes the world's best Sauvignon Blanc. Just read. People would like to know that. Um, do we get paid for endorsing mm-hmm. that? I got a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc in the fridge. We can have a drink of that, I guess. <laughs> Just it is Marlborough. I'll stick with beer. Okay. <clears throat> Um, her story reads like a modern New Zealand myth. Uh, true story, old-fashioned New Zealand myths. Maui and fishing up the North Island. No, South Island. South no, Island. North Island. No, North Island. The South yeah. Island was his waka or canoe. Yeah. So Maui um, was a camper van. From Moana. From Moana. It's the same Maui, right? Was he a camper van or has he become a camper van? He was reincarnated as a okay, camper He's van. not a camper van. He's, he's reincarnated as, as a camper van. By Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Reincarnated as a camper van. Um, and if you don't believe me, search Maui. Maui camper vans. Yep, yep, you'll find that out. Reincarnated as a camper van. Fished up the North Island. Um, and what else did he do? He um, beat the sun. He did. He slowed down the sun. Yeah, so the sun used to come out of a cave and was like, I'm going really quick with the sky. Hi, if you guys. And then Maui was like, had enough of this. Caught it in a net. Beat it. And to make it go beat slow. it off, beat off the sun in full view <laughs> of, you know, the local iwi. They could see because it was daytime. Yeah. Because the sun was out. And then the sun went slower. Yep. That's um, why we have 24 hours in a day. Yep. Thank you, Maui. Maui. I'm, not, I'm not Maui. You don't need to thank no, me. I thought a camp van drive by. Um, on the morning of July 13th, 1959, Mrs. Morland set out to milk the cows at 5.30 a.m., this chilly morning was routine. Morland s- reached the cow shed. <laughs> Don't know why I <laughs> couldn't stop it there. Morland reached the cow shed, turned on the lights, and set off across the paddock. 
Halfway across the paddock, she saw a strange green glow through the clouds. The green glow broke through the cloud cover and became two distinct lights. Everything was bathed in an airy green light. Now, there's lots of quotes in this story. Does it say what time it happened? 5.30 a.m. Oh, yeah. Lots of quotes in the story. Do you vote accents or not accents? I vote not accents, but I have a feeling my vote won't count. Let's see. My first thought was I shouldn't be here. New Zealand accent. And I made a dive for the trees. (laughs) It's easy to do. Classic New Zealand accent. She later told a journalist. From her hiding place among a shelter belt of pine trees, she looked up. A circular craft about nine meters uh, meters wide. I ruined the suspense. A circular craft about nine meters wide silently descended towards her. Two shafts of green light beamed down from its underside. And I cracked my elbow on a bookcase just then. <laughs> Let's get into the story. Uh, two rows of small orange jets shot outwards like spokes from the rim of the disc. Mm. Um, the jets disappeared and then reappeared pointing sideways in a row. Uh, sorry, in two rows. No, wait, three rows. Scratch that. Two rows. The top <laughs> row spanned clockwise very fast, while the bottom row moved in the opposite direction. The air became warm, and she noticed a low hum. Can I have an example of a low hum, please? <gasps> it's like I'm there. Uh, she was scared stiff, but curious and enchanted by the lights. Uh, one more low hum. Good, good, good. Uh, this is where it gets good, good, good. <laughs> um, there was a clear, glassy, dome-like structure, aka a dome, on top, filled with a pure white light. The source of which was not visible itself. Oh, sorry, I did turn it on for mumble rap, and now it's hearing emails. Um, but seemed to arise from the centre of the object. She could see two figures seated with their backs to her, one behind the other and facing the same way, a little over an arm's length apart. The two figures were wearing helmets and dressed in almost skin-tight metallic-looking suits that crinkled and creased with each movement and reflected the light. Interesting. So, yep, she's hanging out there. She's like, oh shit, green light, better hide. Mm. Jumps behind some trees. Mm. And then this, like, crazy craft comes down and there's these two dudes just hanging out there being cool dudes mm-hmm. in their you know dome. space suits in their dome yeah dome like dome and, and they're not looking at her just mm. you know being cool dudes yeah and you know they're moving around crinkle spacesuits, and you're like shit who are these guys yeah but i can't see the faces because they're wearing helmets um the man the man or whatever it was at the rear suddenly stood up Stood up, stood up, and leaned forward, and appeared to be observing something between himself and the figure in front, possibly the brightly flickering light source. Like you know, we got a bulb that he's changing, and he got a crack mm-hmm. or something. Let's see, it's like improperly loose connection, maybe. I bought a Wi-Fi light bulb the other day. Did you? Yeah. Are you enjoying it? It hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> Next episode. Back on hopefully. that. It's turning into Reaper Watch again. Now. <laughs> oh yeah, a Reaper Watch update. Uh, ghost pepper is now fully orange oh just waiting for it to be a fully, deeper fully engorged i yeah. believe is what the term is <laughs> you're going with that um just waiting for it to get a deeper more angry looking orange and then it's all yours nice all right that'll be good <laughs> I've, um, I've had uh two people on two separate occasions 
unrelated, email me um, about why you shouldn't be eating hot chili oh, peppers shit. straight up because it can cause like irreparable damage to your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so go. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of damage done already. <laughs> um, won't make much of a difference. Okay, so the man at the rear, nope, said this. <laughs> yep, he did. <laughs> done this bit. Yep. Mrs. Morland thought that the man who stood up and stared into the flickering light might be a little over five feet in height, but she could not make out any facial characteristics because he was not facing in her direction, and the large silver helmet covered from shoulder covered him from shoulder to shoulder um and then all of a sudden one of the silver suited men emerged from the craft and worked walked towards her <gasps> he's like oh hey hey OMG. are you the local proprietor <laughs> of this establishment um so no in the property there's not much going on here uh so he's walking towards her and you're like oh okay bit freaky Mm -hmm. um she could see his face through a small visor in the helmet he was wearing a wide belt Mm -hmm. with a black accessorized yeah with a black disc at the center accessorizing the belt with the craft disc shaped object disc shaped belt yep um he had a harness or disc shaped belt buckle sorry sorry (laughs) he had a harness on his chest and held a small dial um, and a series of tubes came out of the helmet. His left hand was missing and was encased in a dark sheath. What? I know. Strange. Then he shouted at her in a foreign language she did not recognize. Um, example, please, of that? Um, Ohana. <laughs> there we go. He retreated back to the craft and got back on board. After a few minutes, the jets started shooting out from the craft again. They played the safety demonstration video. It tilted <laughs> at an angle and then shot up into the sky at great speed. This movement was accompanied by a high-pitched whine. Example. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Morland said, The screech was almost unbearable. The movement was incredibly fast. Can you do an incredibly fast movement for my benefit? Thank you. Um, then she was alone, standing in a waft of hot air. Can you give me a waft of hot air? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Come back to me. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Use some time to prep. I'll cook one up. <laughs> um, Mrs. Morland returned to the house and woke her husband. What do you think her husband's name is? 1959 New Zealand. What do you think? Jeff? Fred. Oh, you shouldn't have... Oh. <laughs> I had so many more in the chamber. <laughs> what, the hot air? No, oh. not yet. <laughs> okay, sorry. Come back. Uh, to tell him what she had seen. Her husband worked as a patrolman at Woodburn Air Base, about six kilometres from their home, or m- m- miles. Um, <laughs> she feared... I didn't do the conversion. I was going to, but... You mumble-wrapped it. Yeah, mumble-wrapped it. She feared he would laugh at her, but he took her seriously. She rang the police at 7am. So, like an hour and a half after the sighting. Yeah. Uh, Woodburn Air Base Commanding Officer Arthur Gainsford visited the farm and interviewed Moreland later that day. Gainsford found the Moreland claim... Uh, sorry, that's completely wrong. Moreland mm. found... Gainsford found Moreland calm and rational. <laughs> claim. <laughs> uh, he also found a second witness, a local farmer called... Okay, what's another? Bruce. 
Uh, Jeff. Three letters. Rob. Bob. Oh, Todd. You, you're you're Todd. Todd's John. Four. That's now that's yeah. Ron. Oh, you're so close with Ron. Ross. Rod. Rod. Uh, Rod. Again, you're on the right. It's R O. It's definitely R O. R O. I think tail end alphabet. Rocks. <laughs> Roxanne. Roy. Roy. <laughs> a local farmer called Roy, who lived about seven kilometres or from Moreland's house, uh, saw a bright light in the sky about 30 minutes before Moreland's sighting. Lights in the sky. Shout out from 1959. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, the, the Air Force took Moreland's claim seriously enough to appoint 34-year-old Lieutenant Charles Jennings to investigate. Jennings first interviewed Morland 10 days after the sighting. Morland did not mention the one-handed man in her interview, and Jennings sensed she was holding something back. <sighs> Mrs. Morland did not convey to me any impression of being excitable by nature. She was helpful and, I believe, quite honestly convinced that she did in fact see a craft, he said. <laughs> Her statement stands up in all respects. He believed her account. Yeah, so this guy, he's an investigator. He's like, okay, bitch, what'd you see? <laughs> and she's like, you know, craft. Um, Summary bits are my favourite, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> hey, bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like hid, hid, hidden in some trees, there's this craft, and then it shot off. Didn't say anything about old one handy, mm-hmm. old Captain Hook. Whatever his deals is. <laughs> um, in a further sign of his commitment to the case, one day Jennings took a Geiger counter to Moreland's paddock. Sounds a bit, sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't <laughs> it's it? It's a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> one day Jennings took a Geiger counter to Moreland's paddock at 3am and waited there until dawn to see if he could detect anything. Can you say it again but say the crack of dawn? <laughs> Everyone's woken up at the crack of dawn. (laughs) Office. Um, He was clearly troubled by the prospect that Moreland uh, may have been exposed to radiation from the craft, Mm. especially since Moreland had developed physical symptoms after the sighting. The backs of her hands were painful. Interesting. Quite common. Yeah. (laughs) There's more. Ballistas popped up like pimples on her hands. Lower back. Oh, do you think they mean... Bump. Lower, lower back. My lower back. I had a lower back injury, as we've discussed before. Lower Ass back injury. Uh, blisters popped up on the like pimples on her hands. Lower back, not ass, and and back. Why say lower back and back? Should you say back? If she scratched them, watery residue would come out. Then more would come up. That's a blister. That's what blisters do. Yeah. <laughs> like that part isn't intriguing. No, it that's the most param- that is the most paranormal part there. Like they're like it was a blister that performed and behaved like a blister. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Moving um, on. She had a painful swelling under her left eye and a small patch, like a brown mole, appeared on her forehead. Mole. Mole. Um why is it yeah. It's just fun to say. Um, mole, mole. Uh, she did not want to consult a civilian doctor and would only see Woodburn's medical officer if the matter was kept highly confidential. Mm-hmm. So I think what's starting to come here is that she's not wanting to be particularly public about the sighting. Yeah, I mean, it's that risk of ridicule, etc. <clears throat> the blisters and the mole faded after six months. 
Uh, Jennings wrote a report on the sighting claim, which was sent to squadron leader James McClimont. He replied within the day, Due to the absence of evidence, the report does not appear to warrant further action, he wrote. It seemed that the case was dead in the water. But about a week later, the Marlborough Express, remember Marlborough, Sauvignon Blanc, Marlborough, Sauvignon Blanc, ran, Blenheim, ran two stories about locals seeing a green light in the sky, <gasps> us again, <laughs> at about 6.50pm, specific, on August 7. Jennings tracked down three of the witnesses and interviewed them. A woman told him she was looking for her newspaper on the front lawn in the dark. Gradually, I began to be able to see details around me more clearly. I noticed my paper, picked it up, and thought, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Where's that silly light coming from? She told Jennings. So I looked up and saw a green ball of light. Uh, she said it was bright, richly emerald green. So, like the same one before. Consistent. Yeah. Uh, I had the thing in view for several seconds, and I got the impression that it was tumbling over or spinning, but uh, much faster than it was going along. An Air Force officer also saw a vivid green sphere that lit up the ground, all around the roadway. He said, I cannot really describe the green colour because it was like any other green I have seen. It was vivid indeed, though. It all sounded pretty familiar, told Jennings. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then there was another break in the case. Morland finally told Jennings about the man in the silver suit with one hand. Morland also told Jennings how the man shouted at her in a foreign language. Jennings thought he may have been Russian. Ruski. Yeah. Uh, the new details were taken seriously. The security classification on the sighting was raised from confidential to secret, meaning they felt it could raise international tensions. Mm -hmm. All communication about the sighting was handwritten to avoid typists reading the details. Morland told her to keep all the <laughs> ruin that. Morland <laughs> told her to keep her information to herself. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Morland's claims, along with annotated dick drawings, no, annotated <laughs> drawings, got confused, were sent to Air Force headquarters on August 20. Gainsford vouched for Jennings' objectivity, writing that he had no previous interest in matters of this nature and commended his task. Uh, <laughs> typo? Yeah. You got a typo, <laughs> ladies go. and gentlemen. And commenced his task with an open mind. Mm -hmm. um, Wing Commander G.S. Martin's response was withering and brought the investigation to a close. So here's a withering impression. The only possible conclusion to be drawn from the evidence is that Mrs. Morland was hallucinating, or that her story is an imaginative exaggeration of a normal subject experience, and that there was no, uh, in fact, such visitation by an object as described in the report. Got that? Yes. Cool. Cool. Um, Martin said the sighters in August have no apparent relationship to the Morland report, but fit neatly with the description of Venus shining through a diffuse layer of high cloud or ice crystals, and seen through a layer of lower broken cloud, the latter being under the influence of a northwesterly airstream. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Records show that Venus was indeed in the neighbourhood and may have appeared very bright and low in the sky. What? What? <laughs> Everything in the sky gets just gets me <laughs> jazzed. On the night the witness saw the green light. Astronomer Marcel Minanat writes that Venus can turn from dull red to green on, as it melts the horizon. That one is not audible. Turn from dull red to green as it melts the horizon. I can't understand you. Listen carefully. No. Turn from dull red to green as it melts the horizon. And can appear to move as, move as if distracted and refracted through the atmosphere. Distorted and refracted, I think you'll find. This is diffracted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Distorted and refracted. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're doing. Stop doing that. This is it's Marcel. I'm just quoting him. Um, Morland's claims created a swirl. I like uh, I started not doing impressions, but then I realized I, I just had to do the voices. I noticed. Um, did you? <laughs> because I have to start repeating it. You can't even repeat that one. You know what I'm saying. Um, Morland's claims created a swirl of gossip in the small town of Blenheim. Morland told reporters that a row of peach trees in the paddock where the sighting occurred had died. Oh. When the trees were cut up for firewood and driven over by a lawnmower, the cores of the, <laughs> the, cores of the branches were black ash like soot. The top branches of a walnut tree in the paddock also died. So that speaks more of like, you know, she's obviously got radiation stuff going on. Yep. And trees are dying. Yep. Walnuts, not happening. This yep. year, she's like, walnut year, walnut season, love me walnuts. Yep. And this year, they died. <laughs> the what F- are you going to put on top of your Afghan cookies? Now? I know, exactly. Disgusting. <laughs> the um, I know you love them. I love me some walnuts. <clears throat> the Air Force would spend the next 50 years keeping the 1959 Moreland sighting and the following investigation under wraps. They lied to keep it secret. Whoa. Pilots were discouraged from reporting sightings to the superiors of the late 1970s. When researcher Herbert Taylor requested the Moreland files in 1969, internal memos show a reluctance to tell him anything. Why admit there was an investigation? I would be inclined to leave it. That reads, one sounds like someone off of Rocky Horror. Oh, good. <laughs> reads one. That's what I'm inspiration from. Okay. Uh, reads one handwritten note on the letter. Taylor's request was declined. In later years, squadron leader C.D. Compact Disc? Maybe? I don't know. Can't, can't confirm or deny. C.D. Cole just denied the report existed. We do not have files on UFO encounters, nor do we have compact discs, he wrote in 1981. Oh, interesting. <laughs> what his name is. Yeah. A search of our records cannot locate any reference to the sighting by Mrs. Morland. Ah, uh, he wrote in another letter. That was because of motorcycles. Motorbike. Yeah. Yep. Uh, senior Air Force officers and the Sec- Secretary of Defense... We don't have that anymore, do we? We don't have a Secretary of Defence. I think we're a Defence Minister. Don't tell everyone. Sorry, sorry, They'll sorry, come and sorry, invade sorry, us. Sorry. No, we have a Minister of Defence. Um, uh, would unfairly cast out on Moreland's credibility and paint Jennings as a biased investigator. They completely sold them out. Mm-hmm. What? C-bombs. 
Um, <laughs> Air Marshal Richard Bolt wrote to New Zealand Radio in 1979. I don't know why he didn't just get on the radio, but mm-hmm. don't know if he doesn't doesn't like the sound of his voice because it sounds like this. The evidence suggests that Melvin was an emotional and physical at the time. I'll translate. The evidence suggests that Moreland was in an emotionally unstable condition at the time. Whoa. Yeah. That is baloney. Dick move from Dick. Total Dick, dick Bolt. move. Dick Bolt, Dick move. I know how he got his nickname of yeah, Dick. Dick. Total Dick. Richard Dick Bolt wrote to New Zealand Radio. Um, a letter from the Secretary of Defence in 1979 claimed that Jennings allowed his obvious interest to reflect and to strengthen Moreland's convictions. So they're like, oh, he likes UFOs. So of course he's going to say it's a UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's no real evidence of that. Um, the sighting would perplex the man uh, who investigated the claim, Charles Jennings. His son, Wayne Jennings, said his father pondered on the case in later life. I asked him if he believes in UFOs, and he said he had an open mind about the subject. Can I just say? It was an ex... Can I just say? Are you you asking me, Wayne, or are you asking somebody else? Anyone who's listening. Uh, I am Wayne. Feel free. I'm talking about my father, Charlie. I hate that anyone ever says, do you believe in UFOs? Because UFOs is an unidentified flying object. A weather balloon is a UFO. It's more like, do you believe in like alien visitation and spacecraft or time travel or uh, unexplained aerial phenomenon or UFOs? Is, is merely something we you know we do not know. Like a, a, a seagull that you misidentify, you, you can't wrap your fingers around could be a UFO. Exactly. So I believe in UFOs. I, I Wayne, Wayne Jennings. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> What about... I asked him if he believed in UFOs. Oh, wait, it was me who said it. I'm a cunt. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he had an open mind. It was an unexplained phenomenon. At the end, he leaned towards the idea that this was an alien presence of some sort. He believed her. Okay, Richard Attenborough. The majority of the Moreland files, along with thousands of files on UFO sightings dating back to the 1940s, were eventually released to the public in 2010. The year before, a spokesman for the Air Force, get this, told a journalist that it held no files on UFOs. Liars. Liars. They lied to keep it secret. They lied to cover it up. The paddock, where Mrs. Morland claimed to have seen the craft, has since been carved into suburban suburban plots. The family had sold the farm and moved away from the area by the early 1970s. Mrs. Morland died in a rest home in 2016. She was 99 years old. In 2017, houses had not yet been built on the exact spot where the strange story unfolded. That spot remained empty. Just like the Morland family farm, the past has been gradually lost. The full story of the lights and the shadows they cast. Where were the lights? In the sky. Died. Why do you sound like a journalist with now? Her. Say that again because I talked over it and that was the disrespectful. Full, the full story of the lights and the shadows they cast. Died with her where were the lights in the sky with one-handed aliens <laughs> do you think it was aliens or do you think it was foreigners it's an odd one this one um so this is 
potential the thing that confuses me a little bit about this is um that the the sort of the explanation here seems like they were kind of people wearing weird suits it seems mm-hmm. very human-esque mm-hmm. um human-esque 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 yeah. human-esque humanistic which makes me seem that you know potentially was a russian um yeah like it could have been something i mean if the investigator thought it could be russian i mean i don't know what she explained what it sounded like but Mm. like you don't you you generally in sort of these more bizarre ufo and um like ufo tales that relate to alien beings there's not really someone getting out of the craft and shouting at someone in a weird language yeah why you do that anyway even if you were russian <laughs> i think the other the last time we had this was um the blimp type things that uh, were causing a flat the, throughout New that's Zealand. right the airships yeah there was um talk of someone shouting in a foreign language yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i don't know um it's interesting they say that because it's always a foreign language or a language I didn't understand. And a lot of the times when you hear stories of alien visitation, the um, any any conversations that happen are telepathic. That yeah. you hear it in your head, you don't actually hear. You don't. You don't hear see it someone, from a mouth. Don't see someone ollering from yeah. a paddock. <laughs> yeah. With a strange suit on. Yeah. Um, but then maybe this is just this is just a different type of extraterrestrial visitation. Maybe that these are figures that humanoid yeah humanoid figures that don't communicate mm. telepathically maybe we're thinking when we think of these um alien craft visitations we think of the greys and mm. they're not not all aliens are the greys i believe that firmly great the greys are mean really they abduct and do nasties really yeah mm. Gre- the greys are kind of nah, i don't like them don't be racist <laughs> you're so racist you can't even Inter- hide it when intergalactic racism <laughs> um okay immortal ad um no more to the story um there's a couple there's a picture i will show you which you might want to describe of what the craft kind of looked like that was drawn um it looks like that thing that was at the playground at mcdonald's that was the shape of um, the hamburglar the hamburglar with a wee yeah yeah. it was like a little prison thing yep no the hamburglar was the swings the Hamburglar was the swings like this, with his arms out like then a who scarecrow. who was the prison thing? The prison thing was like the police-looking thing. Ah, okay. But it had like a, a police helmet on. Anyway, does that did that happen in other countries? Um, what, McDonald's playgrounds. Yeah, with I don't know with the with the shapes of the characters because they were quite. I mean, the the playgrounds these days are um, pretty rubbish. Yeah, there's just those interconnecting tubes. Yeah, but, the, the, but these were. Do you remember the one at the McDonald's at Rickerton? It was enormous. <laughs> it was an enormous. Yeah, absolutely massive. But it's the same area, isn't it? Now it's still the same playground area. I don't think it still looks enormous. Here we go. Um, McDonald's we go. playground. Here we yeah, go. See, yeah, it's a police thingy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah, police because it was like a jail inside. So it was like a hamburger with a police, like an English bobby hat on top. Yeah. <laughs> and the mouth was like, if you imagine the hamburger as the face, and between the buns there was bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the spaceship looked like, is what I'm getting at. So sadly, most current McDonald's locations don't feature these outlandish relics anymore. A 4,000 square foot outdoor play area, not much different from any standard cookie cutter playground park, but decked down in classic McDonald's decor, all topped off with the behavioural calmness of the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Some, yeah, it's well done. Yeah, well Jeez. done. Look at look at Grimace doing that thing. Yeah, that's weird. It's like a jellyfish. Yeah, there we go. Jailhouse yeah, Croc. Jailhouse Croc. Google it, baby. Apparently, the McDonald's Brain Trust figured out nothing struck a chord with kids like jails. Because <laughs> here was another one. Officer Big Mac, a giant, a big giant cheeseburger. It's not quite right. Decked out in a nifty cost, constable costume. Yeah. Uh, who would one day be destined to become a torture pit for youths. His main job was to pursue <laughs> Hamburglar, a ground beef thief who tried he, uh, who decided it was wise to wear his prison stripes outside of prison and pilfer your <laughs> cholesterol away from you that's the one that's the one <laughs> after looking at this ominous death trap uh one wouldn't have to scratch their head too long to wonder why officer big mac isn't flashing his once famous buns around anymore <laughs> speaking as someone who isn't crazy about heights or tight enclosed spaces the dirty slippery kid crowded ladder inside this godforsaken thing was nothing short of a living nightmare straight out of jacob's ladder <laughs> i avoided this hepatitis covered abyss the way neil patrick harris avoids a woman jeez <laughs> weird controversial yeah jokes on you smiling caucasian children this time the burger eats you <laughs> <laughs> i should actually read this one day yeah jeez look at, look at that scary yeah that's the hamburger swings yeah that hideous i'm not really great on an audio medium so um if you want to look up what what is the what's the got any kind of hot links to get us there just um if 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 you google what i did um image uh, image search mcdonald's playgrounds mm. and um there's a picture here that shows it's the fourth one on fourth one along that shows this exact image of the ham not the hamburger of the uh, big mac police constable and the thing <laughs> if you click on that and follow the link you'll see this interesting blog that someone's written about the horrors of mcdonald's playgrounds and that's the shape of the spacecraft mm. bringing us back to the story yeah it's the shape of the prison looking thing <laughs> without the bobby helmet without the bobby helmet <laughs> all right anything else to add to that one nah let's wrap it up all righty so this is where we move into the final segment of the show which we call get me some strange that's where the music kicked in yeah do you realize in the last show we didn't actually say about who starts the music i did because yeah. i have to put the music in yeah. so i was listening for it because <laughs> I, was, I was listening back and i was like wait we haven't said the music no Yet it began so. yeah um it, it is able to begin without us saying it it can't just happen just let it happen most segments normally begin <laughs> without talking about when you're going to turn the music on do you um, it felt more natural just just yeah. having the music come on without having to pay attention and, didn't it sorry bring attention to I'm pretty it. sure yeah. that used to be what we did uh, in this segment we uh read from the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained i'll flick through a re- f- flick through the pages tony will tell me when to stop and I will. i'll read the random story um forth with you're wiping back to front yes nice okay here we go what are we in what are we in um this looks interesting actually oh okay let me see onto a a a winner i i take it here this is this is it's a big section i can't get to the title of it coincidences this is your favorite one coincidentally this is your favorite section and it's on coincidences let me get the post-it flag so we don't double up next time okay Notice mm. I pop that on the top. Here's a story called The Deadly Double. 
On November 22, 1941, 16 days before the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, the New Yorker ran two advertisements for a new dice game called The Deadly Double. Sounds good. Sounds one fun. Of, one of the advertisements carried the headline, I think this one is it's written in German, and I think one of your accents is appropriate here. <laughs> so you should read that. And see it in the capitals there. So just read the line before so we know what we're up okay. to. Okay. Uh, one of the advertisements carried the headline, Octon, warning, altare! There you go. <laughs> then more later. <laughs> no. yeah. I'm not sure what the altare means. <laughs> Octon, to find out. Octon! It's not very German sounding. It's, but. A, it's like alert. Alert yeah. with an E on the end. Yeah. Uh... At the foot of the column were the words the deadly double and beneath the words a double-headed heraldic eagle in the manner of the armorial device of Germany with a shield on its breast bearing a double cross. As you can see in this little image. It's the double thing. There's the thingy. Um, with a shield on... Uh, done that. The other... <laughs> the other advertisement showed two dice, one black and the other white, each with three faces visible. On the faces of the white dice were the numbers 12 and 24, and the double cross sign on the black dice were the numbers were the numbers 0, 5, and 7. Hang on, I think I've rung, I've done the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> on the faces of the white dice were the numbers 12 and 24, and the double cross sign. Okay, so that's an X. Okay. X. Um, on the black dice were the numbers 0, 5, and 7. Above the dice were the headline words, Aktung warning alert, were repeated. After the Pearl Harbor attack, there was much speculation that these advertisements had been placed by the Axis powers to alert their agents. The numbers 12 and 7 could have referred to the date of the attack, December 7th, and the numbers 5 and 0 could have indicated the planned time of attack, and the XX, 20 in Roman numerals, might have stood for the approximate latitude of the target, the significance of the 24 was unknown. So strong were these suspicions that FBI agents visited <laughs> these people. <laughs> so strong were these suspicions that the FBI agents visited the people who had placed the ad advertisements, Mr. and Mrs. Roger Craig. Two first names? Yeah. Um the game of deadly double was legitimate and was being sold by several new york department stores in 1941 the government's suspicions were kept quiet until 1967 when ladislas farago formerly with u.s naval intelligence Is that revealed two first names as well or two last names it's two last names <laughs> two last, names, two last yeah. names revealed the story in the press release for his book the broken seal interviewed by a reporter shortly after roger craig's widow said that any connection between the advertisements and Pearl Harbor was just one big coincidence. Interesting. Was it? Really? Not really. <clears throat> so someone ran an ad that had the date and time, potentially, and latitude of um, the attack before the attack. Coincidentally. Coincident. For a game that they had released. You played that game? Nope. Daily Double? Sounds like something from a casino. Yeah. I got Monopoly in the cupboard. <laughs> I've, got any... three, I've got three versions. I was of just going to ask, what versions? Well, two of them are the same. 
To be honest with you, actually, no, they're all Monopoly. the same. Actually, they're all the same, but they're just different branding on the cover. So just the same Monopoly. There's a three versions of the same Monopoly. Just right. two of them have different branding to the other one. I think I have Marvel Monopoly as well as regular. Didn't play Monopoly in years. It takes forever. It does. Too long. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add? Um. Thank you for coming along and playing with us today. And on that note, we'll call that another episode oh. of Lights in the Sky podcast. Catch you next week. Oh, toodaloo.